With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. It's hour two on this Tuesday. Dan and the Danettes, Dan Patrick Show. Coming up, we're going to uh, talk to a player who's perfect so far this season. The Cowboys kicker, Brandon Aubrey, will join us coming up in a moment. I believe a 28-year-old rookie, Dean Blandino, uh, Fox NFL Rules analyst, former head of NFL officials, will join us. The controversy uh, has died down a little bit with the Chiefs, with the loss to the Buffalo Bills, the Chiefs, Andy Reid, and uh, Patrick Mahomes walking back some of their comments uh, in the moment. After that loss, Tom Verducci, MLB Network, and uh, had a deep dive on the Dodgers and Shohei Otani and the fact that Otani has nine teammates who will make more than he does this year since he's only going to make $2 million. Now, down the road, in retirement, he's going to make a whole lot more money than his teammates there. But we'll talk to Verducci about how the Dodgers pulled this off. By the way, Shohei Otani and his agent did offer this sort of same structure with this, uh, that any team he was going to, that this is what he wanted to do because he wanted to make sure his team had some uh, financial fluidity to be able to go out, make sure that the farm system is well-stocked, that their you know, team is going to be great or potentially great for uh, a decade. Stat of the day brought to you by Panini America, the official trading cards of the Dan Patrick Show. And... Uh, Let's see. Special gift set, danpatrick.com. Moonshine four-pack, your chance to get some of the flavors you may have missed out. Cinnamon apple, salted caramel, pumpkin spice, and the newest flavor, peppermint bark. All of that available at danpatrick.com. Before we get to Mr. Perfect, uh, Seton, would you give us the poll question for hour two? Hour two, we're putting up there the New York Giants should dot, dot, dot. Mm -hmm. Uh, Move forward with Tommy DeVito. Play Daniel Jones one more year with DeVito on the bench or find a new quarterback altogether. Oh, okay. I'm going to guess recency bias, and you're going to stay with Tommy DeVito. You think so? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, the Giants beat the Packers uh, 24-22, and uh, the Titans, surprise, surprise, came back to beat the Dolphins. The Dolphins now 9-4, and and you were talking about maybe having you know number one seed here. Now the Ravens have a full game advantage there. All right, he's Brandon Aubrey, Cowboys kicker, former uh, pro soccer player, played in the USFL, went to Notre Dame, won a national championship there. He joins us on the program. How did this happen? How do you explain this? 
Yeah, um, just a, a lot of hard work, a lot of figuring it out as you go. And um, obviously the soccer career didn't end the way I wanted it to. And um, just figured out it was time to pivot when, with what um, I went to school for, got my degree in computer science, worked as a software engineer for a couple of years and realized at that time that, you know, that wasn't quite for me and wanted to go back into sports, figured soccer probably wasn't it for me. So just went down um, the, the football path and three or four years later, here I am. Okay. But you pivot to kick professionally. I mean, that's a, does somebody tell you, Hey, you know what, if I were you, uh, maybe, uh, maybe you try being a place kicker. Yeah. Um, so the story is, um, my wife actually, we were just sitting there watching football, uh, like we did every Sunday and she mentioned to me in passing, Hey, I think you could do that. And, you know, obviously having been a professional athlete, I thought she was crazy that I knew how much work it took to become a professional soccer player and take just as amount um, of hard work to become a professional anything. So, um, at that time just kind of got a ball and went to the field and, tried to see if I could do it. And it looked like I had a, a little bit of talent for it. So just found a local coach in the area and just started grinding at it. But when you went to Notre Dame, did you think about kicking for the football team? No, not once. Never crossed my mind. When did you realize you could kick professionally? Um, That's tough to say. Uh, when I went out to the field for the first time, Obviously, off of sticks and you're out on a field on your own, no rush, nothing like that. Um, I, I had some success just messing around on the field, and I figured, you know, I've got nothing to lose. Um, can spare some uh, of my free time to work at it while uh, I don't have any kids, don't have any real commitments. So um, just spent a lot of time grinding there and found a, a coach who works with a lot of high school kids that are trying to make it to D1. Um, and he was honest with me, mentioned that he thinks I have the talent, but my story's a long shot. It's going to be a lot of hard work, a lot of time, a lot of energy. And if I was willing to put it in, he'd put it in with me and we'd see where we could get with it. What did it feel like that first kick you made? It was unreal. Um, going back to the USFL would be my first kick in a, in a live setting. Just a really surreal moment for me. It was an extra point. Um, in the opening game of the USFL. So it was, it was an awesome opportunity, grateful to have it, and made me think, you know, maybe I can't do this. Yeah, but okay, you're, you're kicking for the Cowboys. You know, you're, yeah. I'm going to guess that was your favorite team growing up. All of a sudden, you're out there kicking. You've got yeah, the absolutely. star on your helmet. I mean, the whole thing here. What's that like yeah. when you walk on the field and you get ready to kick for the first time? Yeah, I took, took a moment. After warm-ups, because as a specialist, you go out there and you warm up just about an hour before everyone else does. So after I was done warming up, took that moment to look around the stadium. It was MetLife um, for Sunday night football and just uh, <laughs> take it all in, try and appreciate where I'm at. And honestly, it really still feels like a dream. It doesn't feel like reality. Just trying to take it day by day and really just go out there and, and do my job. Have you made a tackle yet in the NFL? No, not yet. Do you plan on making a tackle in the NFL? Not if I can help. <laughs> Do you practice? Like, Have you tackled anybody before? Yeah, so in the USFL, we kicked off from the 20-yard line. Um, oh, okay. And a lot of opportunities to make tackles. I think I made two or three in, in the second season. 
What's the difference in kicking a soccer ball and a football? There's not a lot of difference physically. Obviously, the shape of the ball is different, but the form is very similar. There's a million different ways you can kick a soccer ball. So um, you never really master one like you truly do with football uh, because I'm going out there and hitting the ball the same way every time. So there's just a little more um, emphasis on mastering that one thing versus kind of being jack of all trades, hitting the ball a million different ways. What's the longest field goal you've hit in practice? Yeah, in practice, 68, 69, around there. <laughs> how how many tickets do you have to get for the family? Um, varies week to week. Six is the the average, I'd say. But um, any week it, it spikes way up. So this this week I had all of my dad's family in town, and is around fifteen tickets. He's uh, Brandon Aubrey, the Cowboys kicker, and uh, most consecutive field goals to start a career thirty, and. Uh, First kicker with multiple 59 or longer field goals in a game. It seems to be, you know, this this pretty easy for you. I wouldn't say that. Um, I've just been given opportunity with a coaching staff that believes in me. Um, obviously, to kick a 60-yard field goal in the first quarter isn't something that happens often. Um, and just to be given the opportunity to do that um, speaks volumes of the coaching staff's trust in me and that inspires confidence. So just going out there and being free, knowing that the coaching staff believes in me and has my back allows me to perform free and not worry about the consequences of making a mistake. What's your nickname? Um, Butter Aubrey. Butter. Yeah. Who gave you that? Uh, it would be Dak. Okay. When did he find out your name? How long before he realized who who you were? Um, I think he, he knew who I was in, in training camp. Uh, I had known him before camp. Um, actually, the kicking coach that I, I found in the area happened to be connected with him. He was mm. his college um, roommate and teammate at the time, which kind of a s small world on that front. That's pretty cool. Uh, better soccer player, Ronaldo or Messi? I think Messi. Your game, is it more like Messi's or was it more like Ronaldo? Mine was more like Ronaldo. We can't all have <laughs> the ability that Messi has on the ball. It's just kind of stuck to his foot like a, a ball on a string. Can you explain Messi? His, his greatness? He's, he's truly um, one of a kind. He's, he's a gym to watch. Um, thankful he's in the U.S., so the American population that is starting to attach itself to soccer can really appreciate just the level of talent he has and that we need to uh, produce in, in our country that if we want to compete on a world world stage, which we're getting way, way closer to than we had when um, I was growing up, which is it's awesome to see. Now, you got the Dolphins in a couple of weeks. Yeah. I think if you leave messy tickets... <laughs> What do you think? Yeah, what do you think? Uh, if he wants them, he can have them. All right. All right. Uh, could Messi or Ronaldo or Beckham, could they have done what you've, you're doing? Yeah, I, I think so. They are truly world-class athletes, the top of their game. Um, I, I believe people like that, if you put any sort of challenge in front of them, they'll find a way to be the best in the world at it. So 
I think they could have done just about anything they put their minds to. Great to talk to you. And uh, yeah, con- continued success. Uh, what, your uh, your alma mater lost the soccer championship to Clemson last night? Is that right? Yeah, that was a, a tough result. Those boys put in a lot of hard work. And um, I think they're starting to build a, a true powerhouse program. And they'll be back. Well, if that's the worst part of your year, that's not a bad year to have. <laughs> so uh, happy Absolutely. holidays to you and uh, continued success. Thank you. No, thank you. Thanks for having me. That's uh, Brandon Aubrey, the uh, Cowboys kicker. He's 30 for 30. That's nuts. Yeah. He's perfect. Like, how many people can show up and go, yeah, I'm perfect. Yeah, Paul. I, I, I didn't know the backstory about his wife saying, why don't you go out there and give it a shot while they're watching football on a Sunday. I'd heard that he, he tried it. I thought it was just a natural morphing. Maybe he did it. He had kicked in high school and he brought it back. Um, but that'd be cool. You go to Miami and all of a sudden you leave some tickets for Messi and see, you know, like Jerry Glanville used to leave tickets for Elvis when uh, Elvis was not with us any longer, but he'd leave tickets. So Brandon, I'd leave tickets for Messi. Just say, hey, maybe come out and, uh, you know, watch somebody who's perfect. Yeah, Paul. This sets up for one of those Dennis Quaid type Disney sports movies. Quaid's too old. No, no, Dennis Quaid can't do it. I know, not Dennis Quaid, but like the 28-year-old rookie kicker. If the Cowboys, he wins the Super Bowl. This has got Zach Efron, Zach Efron. written all, yeah, Zach Efron, no doubt. All over. Yes, Seaton. Dennis Quaid is the old school coach going a soccer player. A so- <laughs> no way a soccer player stepping foot on my field. That's you know great. what I mean? Dennis Quaid could be that old ornery coach. Well, no, there's a football field. You know who I would get? Play the the old football coach, Shea and Irving. Oh, <laughs> got the voice. <laughs> Maybe Tommy Lee Jones could be in there as a. Team owner. Yeah, maybe. Not on my watch. Yeah. Shea and Irving. A soccer player? <laughs> yeah, the football field. <laughs> he seemed pretty matter-of-fact about this. Like, I mean, this is crazy. You go play soccer at Notre Dame, and then you're like, uh, I can't play soccer anymore. Now I'm going to go to uh, the USFL. Uh, yeah. You know what? Maybe I tried for the Cowboys. Sure. Why not? Yes. Yes, Marv. And the fact that his wife was the one that said, you can do that, while most wives are looking at their husbands like, all right, relax, high school hero. That was about 20 years ago. Just sit on the couch and relax with me. Yeah, you're going to pull a groin here. Yes, Eaton. It's crazy, too, that, I mean, he worked his whole life to become a soccer player, right? And then on a whim became the kicker for the Cowboys and has probably made more money in his whole career kicking for the Cowboys than he did playing soccer. And he's going to the Pro Bowl. Yeah, and he, he worked his whole life yeah. to play soccer, and now he's just like, ah, okay, I guess I'll try the NFL. This one feels a little more amazing than the Tommy DeVito Easy. story. I'm Easy. just saying. Easy. I'm just saying. How dare you. If, if uh, Brandon <laughs> Aubrey was named Tommy DeVito, and he was, uh, you know, kicking cutlets, and he <laughs> <laughs> kicking cutlets. Yeah, Paul. Do you think this seat, I'm going to ask you, do you think this could have some trickle down if his story gets big and he becomes a pro bowler, an all pro, that more high school kids, soccer kids will try this because you don't need to make tackles to be a kicker. Occasionally you have to, but if you can make the field goals, they'll work around that tackling stuff. I think it already is a thing. Yeah, I would think. I I think soccer players already do do that. Do do. Do do that. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, right, Pat McAfee was a soccer player, and then he decided to start punting. All right, some phone calls here. We'll talk to Dean Blandino, the uh, Fox NFL rules analyst here. Nathan in Texas leads us off hour two. Hi, Nate. Hey, what's up, Dan? Uh, I always get really nervous, so bear with me. Okay. Uh, 
I got a pie in the face bet. I want to start that off, and I also have a statement or a question, really. Um, so my pie in the face bet, last year I lost to Fritzy, uh, that the Cowboys were going to make it to the Super Bowl. And uh, the bet was if I lost, uh, you know, I take one pie. If he lost, he take two pies. So I ended up losing. I felt bad, so I was like, I'm going to do two pies. So I did two pies. Um, I ended up sending that video in. I'm not sure if you guys got it or not. Um, Tyler said he doesn't think so. It's actually really funny because a lot like Fritzy, I have no friends and I had to do it by myself. I tried uh, getting a, a girl that I like to do it with me, but she, she thought it was lame. So, I, you know, uh, typical wow. Dan Patrick fashion. Wow. So another, um, my question is why does everyone defend the Eagles? Um, as a Cowboys fan, we played the exact same teams as the Eagles and we blew them out while the Eagles had to scrape the wins. And it just feels that, you know, everyone wants to defend the Eagles saying they're resilient, they're this, they're that, they find a way to win. Well, wait, wait, hold on, Nate. You're going to get a pie to the face right now if you were here in front of me. The Eagles went to the Super Bowl. Whatever it is, I'll be happy with it. They, they went to the Super Bowl. So yeah. the Cowboys haven't done anything. I, I'm, I'm about to be 26. I know that. <laughs> Your entire life, they've <laughs> never won anything for you. And, and that's and that's sad. But okay, does nobody remember the 2020 Steelers when they went 10 and two, and it, it was a Fugazi team? It's same thing with the the Eagles last year. Who do they beat? It, it, and I will say this, Dan. Well, they only- nearly beat the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. I mean, they were a call or two away. And Nate, I'm going to have to hang up on you. You know, here we go with the Cowboy fans. Yeah, you know what? If You can't complain about Cowboy coverage. All right? You get enough coverage, you get enough. Just flip around the dial. Somebody's saying something nice about the Cowboys. Thank you, Nate. Man. Why doesn't anybody talk about the Cowboys as a hot take? <laughs> <laughs> you guys never talk about the Cowboys. Yeah, we do. We do. We don't go out of our way to do it. But when it's warranted, we do. I think the Cowboys, I, if the Cowboys went to the title game, I would not be surprised at all. They're a really good team. By now, they should be. They should be an elite team. But, you know, you can't sit there and go, well, people keep making excuses for the Eagles. They did get to the Super Bowl. Who they beat, I don't know. But they beat who was ever in front of them. But I can't say that for the Cowboys. So if the Cowboys get there, they go through the Eagles or they go through the Niners, good for them. Let's take a break. What did Dean Blandino, Fox NFL rules analyst, see during the Chiefs game? And what should the officials have done in the moment? We'll take a break. We're back after this. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Dan Patrick Show weekdays at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Polly Fusco here with Tony Fusco. Yo. Of course, you know us as the host of the number one rated show in all of sports talk, the Polly and Tony Fusco Show. Yeah. Now, the suits at Fox Sports Radio gave us this airtime because they wanted us to tell you how great our show is. Why? Yeah, instead of us doing that, let's just let our millions of fans do the talking. Yeah, play the tape. You don't know crap about sports. I mean, why am I even on this crap? Whoa, 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 whoa. That's the wrong tape. Wrong tape. Just forget that. Look, listen to the Paulie and Tony Fusco Show on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. And recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening by the way the titans rallied from 14 down in the final two minutes and 40 seconds to beat the dolphins the titans are the first team in 23 years to rally from a deficit of 14 or more in the final three minutes to win a game in regulation we make way for uh, dean blandino the fox nfl rules analyst former vice president of nfl officiating joining us on the program good to see you again let me start at the line of scrimmage in that moment with Kadarius Tony and the role that the official plays when he sees that Tony is offside. So you see this throughout the game. And, and so line of scrimmage officials, receivers, there's that communication, a lot of it nonverbal. The receiver will look to the official. The official will make sure the receiver understands where the line of scrimmage is. And a lot of it is I'm a receiver. I know I have to be off the line of scrimmage or on the line of scrimmage. So I look to the official. The official shows me with their leg, their foot, their front foot. Here's the line of scrimmage, and you can line up accordingly. And so in a situation like that, you're going to have that nonverbal communication. But when you're lining up offside, and as, as blatant as it was and as obvious as it was, you know, early in the game, if it's close, marginal, you'll warn the player. But in a situation like that, when you're that offside, you're going to get the call, whether it's in the first quarter or the fourth quarter. What if Tony looks to the official and asks for help in that moment? Yeah, and the official should give that give that help to that player. And I, I've seen some video, you know, online where there's there there's one shot. I don't know where the camera came from, but it looks like Tony quickly looks to the sideline. 
that is so fast. There's no way that he could have gotten any acknowledgement from the official with just a quick cursory glance over there. Typically, you'll see that with the receivers that are closer to the sideline and they'll look and they may even adjust their position based on what the official, you know, what they're getting from the official. But the official will give that help if the help is, you know, is asked for. Well, I mentioned this, that the official doesn't want to make that call. I mean, it's an incredible play. You don't want to be the story. And that's why, you know, Mahomes and Andy Reid were so upset that the officials and, you know, they make mistakes and, you know, they're going to be fine for the comments that they made. But an official, I don't think, goes, man, I haven't I haven't thrown a flag in a while. I'd like to get a little airtime here. No, no. And especially a line of scrimmage official, you're not even getting the airtime. You're giving the referee the airtime because you don't even get to make the announcement. But the thing is, a, a foul like that, that's a foul at the snap. The official throws the flag immediately once the ball is snapped. They have no idea that this is going to be an incredible play with Travis Kelsey throwing the ball back to Tony. They just see what they see. They see a violation. They throw the flag. They officiate the rest of the play. And I think all of those factors just led to this being controversial. Because if that's just an incomplete pass, it's not this It's not this gigantic thing that we're all still talking about. Was this a point of emphasis for officials this year? It, it was. You know, when you look at offensive offside, that is not a call that had been made going into this season very often. From 2015 to 2022, the, all of those years, there was only 14 across the entire league. This year with the Tony penalty, there's already been 13. And this, to me, comes from the tush push, the brotherly shove, that play the officiating department has really put an emphasis on officiating the line of scrimmage more closely with players on and offside. And I think we've seen that. Now it's bled over to these other areas that are not tush-push plays, but we're seeing, like you said, 13 in one year compared to the eight previous years, there only being 14 total. It's, it's clearly a point of emphasis. Explain to me, and we saw this with the Chiefs opening night where their tackles seemed like they were back further. It's almost as if, the NFL is trying to give them a little bit of a head start to help against these edge rushers who are clearly more athletic than them. Uh, is that a point of emphasis to allow the tackles to be back a little bit more than maybe they should be? They're not on the line of scrimmage. They're not. You watch the play with Tony. Look at the right tackle. Look at Taylor on that play. He's he's so far back, and they're both supposed to be on the line of scrimmage. So I think that that has been less emphasized. It started right. Remember Lions Chiefs opening night. We had the whole whole thing with Taylor not lining up on the line of scrimmage. So I think we are seeing less less restrictive in that area. And like you said, that's a key thing when you talk about the offensive line versus the defensive line. The defensive line is winning more often than not. Scoring is down. Passing yards are down. So you're going to give those tackles. I think the league is making that. You know, known to the officials, don't be overly technical. Let the tackle have a little bit of that head start. But again, you've got that part of it, and now you're officiating the other part, being on the line for receivers and other players, the tush-push play, more closely. And I think that's where teams sometimes struggle with the consistency. We're talking to Dean Blandino, Fox NFL Rules Analyst, former vice president of NFL officiating. What um, What's your biggest concern with officiating? I mean, I, uh, let me tell you mine. And that is, it has to do with gambling. So when there is a, a call, that it's not just fan emotion. Now there's money at stake here. And I, I just, we're, we're headed towards something here. We, we are. 
And I, I worry about with these officials that they're trying to do a job that is almost impossible to be perfect. Uh, how big of a concern should that be? I think it's a, I think it should be a very big concern. And you said it. They're trying to be perfect. And that's the standard for officiating. We, we, we are less we're less accepting of a missed call as we are, you know, a drop pass or a missed block or or a wrong call on fourth down going forward or not. And no one's perfect. They can never reach that standard. And you hit the nail on the head with gambling because 25 years ago, right, the NFL didn't have to worry about gambling, right? That's illegal. That's not part of now it's legal. Now the NFL, you can't watch a game without seeing these gambling ads, the betting ads. We're, we're playing the Super Bowl in Las Vegas. We've got a team in Las Vegas, which 20 years ago, you would have, I would have never even guessed that. So you absolutely have to worry about these things and you have to give the officials better direction, make sure we can get the calls on the field correct, mitigate mistakes, and also use technology. I feel like we're using technology in some areas where it's probably not as important. We're moving the ball a yard here, maybe, maybe taking a couple of seconds off the clock in the third quarter. But let's get the big plays right. Let's mitigate those game-changing mistakes. I also wonder, when you spoke to officials, it, it's almost like I can throw a flag and I can pick it up. Therefore, I can kind of protect myself. You're asking for the home office to give you some help in the moment with these calls. Are we going to get to the point where everything is reviewed? Like getting the call right, is that's paramount here. It, it is paramount, but I think it's a balance. I don't think we can reofficiate every play. There's just two. There's 153, 154 plays in the game. There's there's seven officials. They're making all of them are making decisions before the play, during the play, and after the play. There's thousands of decisions that are being made, and the overwhelming majority are correct. But to reofficiate every play and replay, the game would just it would it would have no flow, no momentum. So I think you've got to find that balance. There's four or five plays in a game that decide a game, and we have to be perfect on those four or five and manage the rest of the game, mitigate mistakes. And I think that's kind of that 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 middle ground that that the NFL has to find. And I know people talk about full-time refs. I, I don't know. Well, tell me the difference. If you're part-time uh, referee uh, uh, or you're a full-time referee, how does that change how you call a game, how accurate you are, how much better are you? I don't, I don't know if it, it's hard to quantify, right? If the, if the officials are 95% accurate now, does making them full-time make them 98% accurate? It's impossible. They're never going to be 100% accurate. They are as full-time as they can be during the season, right? Football's different than basketball and baseball and hockey. You don't have multiple games each week. You know, baseball, baseball umpires aren't when they're working the games they're assigned, but on their off days during the season, it's not like they're at practice with the, with the Dodgers or the Angels and they're, and they're, and they're practicing their calls at first base or, or, or strike ball counts, things like that. So you have to find some things in the off season for officials to do. You know, I think there's an opportunity there, but just making them full time or calling them full time, I don't think that solves anything. They're still, they're still human beings that are officiating a game that is played by tremendous athletes. And you just have to continue to work to get them better, get them on the same page. I'm not saying there aren't opportunities for them to do more, especially in the off season, but I don't know if just calling them full-time is going to make a big difference. And I tell people, if you ever get the opportunity to be on the sidelines of an NFL game and look at a bang-bang play, like the speed is what 
you know, jumps out at you. When we watch on TV, we're like, how could they miss that? Well, when you're on the field and you're going, was that pass interference? It certainly looked like pass interference. Or that couldn't have been pass. It's right in front of you, and I, I still couldn't make a call like that. The speed That's- is what really stands out. It's exactly right. And and standing on the sideline, and, and there's that disconnect because you stand on the sideline and you watch that bang bang play and you go, How do they ever get anything right? And then you <laughs> and then you and then you watch it, right? How do we get to evaluate? The official gets to see it once, full speed from from their perspective. And we get to evaluate them and critique them from five different slow motion angles. And, oh, here's the reverse angle. And here's the low end zone shot. And we go, how did they miss that? And there's that disconnect. And 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 I get it because we're not down on the field. We're not watching the game. But sometimes we're putting the officials in an impossible, an impossible spot because we're evaluating them to a standard that the human being can't reach. Always great to talk to you. And uh Thanks for joining us. Thanks for dumbing dumbing down this information so I could understand it, Dean. Thank you. You got it, Dan. Take Dean care. Blandino, Fox NFL Rules Analyst, former NFL VP of Officiating. He is working the Chiefs, Patriots, Bills, and the Cowboys game, where he gets to monitor that, and then they go, Dean, what did you see on that play? And then he gets to tell you what he saw. Uh, Dave in South Dakota. Dave, what's on your mind today? Dan, thanks for taking the call. I was... Uh, Dean stole a bit of my thunder, but I've been thinking about what that official's life was like for the 10 seconds when that play was unfolding. He throws the flag at the line of scrimmage, and then he watched Kelsey and Tony make this incredible play, and he's the only person on the planet who knows that that play is not going to stand. And if Reed and Mahomes would have expressed that, then that would have bought volumes of goodwill for years going forward. But the fact that they threw this official under the bus, like he wanted to stop that play from happening, I think it, it knocks it knocks them down, in my opinion, of them for for a lot of years of goodwill. Yeah, I'm going to give uh, Mahomes a hall pass. Thanks for the phone call. I mean, it's it's a one time there. And I know people will say the following. Can you imagine if Tom Brady did that? The internet would explode. Seton brought it up yesterday that what would people do to Tom Brady if he acted that way? Now, Chiefs fans will say, oh, you mean acting like this? And then show you video clips. It's Mahomes had a meltdown. Um, I think there's mitigating factors there. I don't think he has confidence in his offense. These receivers, maybe his offensive line, they struggled. They struggled the previous week. They don't look invincible. He's great, but I think he's starting to see the uh, mortality of this team. That, all right, we're good, we're competitive, and you're facing the Buffalo Bills. So I think, you know, just the frustration level. And then all you have to do is once you see the tape, once you see, then then that's it. Then it's done. And I don't think they ever allowed that to factor in, that it was – that egregious instead of oh you can't call that it was so bad they had to call it that's what you know Mahomes and Andy Reid have to understand well they now understand that they don't want to call it you're going to make me call that it's like when there's a holding call and it's a pivotal moment well if it's that obvious I got to call it they don't I don't think they go into each play going I can't wait to call something here They don't want to slow down the game. They don't want to be the story. 
Yes. He... I love that Dean Blandino's like, the guy who'd make the call doesn't even get to make the announcement. <laughs> I know. <Yeah. laughs> Damn it, I don't even get to get on the microphone. He doesn't even get to make the announcement. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, let me take a break. We'll get to more phone calls coming up. Back after this. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. No surprise here, but Notre Dame has their new quarterback. He is a Duke transfer. He's Riley Leonard. He is committed to Notre Dame. Can he play in the bowl game for Notre Dame since <laughs> Sam Hartman said he's not going to play in the bowl game for Notre Dame? Yes, Paul. Can't wait to see what uh, ACC quarterback goes to Notre Dame next year. Yeah. Nice pipeline. He's a good He's good. He's a good, good player. He's a talented player. And uh, that'll be good for Notre Dame. That's what it feels like it is. You know, for some of these programs, you're like, um, I don't know. Do we want to develop some? No, we'll just take this guy right here. Yeah. Come on in, you know. How, much, how long do you want to stay? You want to stay a year? Let's see how it goes. Maybe stay another year. Will the NFL, should the NFL go to full-time officials? Does it make sense? Or as Seton says, do you think a full-time official would have been better with the Kadarius Tony play than a part-time official? Because he was so offside. And if you uh, you were a full time official, you you would have uh, you would have probably got that. Yeah, but see, I'm part time, so that's why I called yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, Paul. I don't think the NFL would even consider it because it's a big expense, and they don't like to spend any more money. And 
there's only downside to it because now let's say next year there's full-time officials and they blow a call on Monday football. We paid all this money for this. You paid all this money for this. It's only downside. The calls will be the same. The, the judgments will be the same. The fans will just have a new thing to complain about is these guys are getting paid a hundred grand a year. doesn't make any sense. Well, what do they get paid? What, what is the average salary of, you know, a veteran NFL official? A couple hundred thousand. And then a lot of them, you know, they have the side jobs that aren't really side jobs. Some are lawyers. Some officiate basketball. Like during the week, they'll officiate some college basketball, and then all of a sudden they'll have, uh, you know, Bills Cowboys. Yes, Paul. The Sporting News did some research on it, and they said anywhere from two hundred to a max of $250,000 for a referee. Mm-hmm. It's actually more than I thought. Yeah. Because most of these guys are successful business persons. And yeah, have- but what's at stake here? That's the thing. As you move forward, the credibility of the shield, that's what this is about. You have to have the integrity. You can't lose that. You can never have a slip-up where something has to do with gambling. And the amount of money that changes hands with some of these calls is what alarms me. I know we can all go, hey, DraftKings, you know, they're a great sponsor of our... Yeah, I always caution people. Just understand gambling, and when you get down... And then you try to get back up, and then you double bets. And I, I went through all of this. I, Saturday, college football, a couple of bets. And then I'd go to the NFL, and if I was down, then I would try to win it back on Monday night. It's, if you have that in your DNA, as I do, uh, you know, it's addictive. Uh, and, and, you know, you just – officials could have their, a price. Everybody has a price. If somebody wanted to get to somebody, maybe it never happens. But the odds are it will. To what degree? I have no idea. But that's my biggest concern with professional sports. Even amateur sports moving forward is the amount of money that's gambled and how people react or how they could react. If you think an official was on the take, just do the numbers here. That's my biggest concern. Yeah, Paul. I'm looking at the different rules for NFL referees and betting. They can't play daily fantasy football. They can't play uh, anything with any prizes. They can't bet on other sports, not even non-NFL. They can't bet on anything. They're the most stringent is for the referees. Yeah, but um, they can still do it. Oh, yeah. You'd have to. I mean, nobody. I mean, you'd be stupid to do something that, you know, we could find out. That's why you have. People who could do something for, you know, when you look at Tim Donaghy, I mean, he wasn't doing this above board. He was doing, you know, side stuff. Deep cover, at least he thought he was. Yeah, you're never going to be like, ah, I'm, I'm in a couple of fantasy uh, leagues. Ah, I can't believe, you know, you dropped that pass. You hurt me in my fantasy. No, you can't have any of that. Uh, Brad in Kansas. Hi, Brad. What's on your mind? Hi, Dan. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. Uh, I had a question. As a lifelong Chiefs fan, I was wondering, there's a play that was very similar to this that happened two or three years ago against Brady. We were on the defense. The Chiefs were on the defense, and we had stopped Tom Brady on the fourth down commitment, and they called an offsides on a defensive player, clear on the other side of the field. It was fourth down. He got another chance to, to break us, and he did. And I was wondering if anybody's ever mentioned that because it seems that too was egregious, but it was offsides. It was offsides. So I think he threw an interception and then uh, he got another down, if I'm uh, correct with that. Uh, 
who was the uh, defensive player? Chris, uh, not um, D. Ford. D. Ooh. Ford was offsides, and I think Tom threw an interception and oh. then got another opportunity. Gigantic. Yes. I, I mean, if you're going to be, oh, the NFL's against us, I don't think the NFL is against Kansas City. Just saying. So naive. They, yeah, You're so naive. Yeah. Apparently I am. That's right. What do you want them? Apparently, apparently I am very naive. <laughs> they hooked you too? The kids, the, the well, NFL, how much are they paying you, Patrick? Yeah, huh? well, the NFL loves Kansas City. Loves. Remember, Taylor Swift was going to the game. It's part of the marketing for the NFL. I mean, come on. They love Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. They do. And if you really wanted to look at conspiracy, they would have the Cowboys in the Super Bowl every year because of the fan base. All right. Double the phone calls. I'll write for it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I did. They're out to get us. No, they're not. No, they're not. Steven in Pennsylvania. Hi, Steve. What's on your mind? Yeah, uh, 510, uh, Len, 145, if you could give me like a note of advice as I'm starting this, um, and I had a question: like, What was the biggest challenge you faced when you first started doing? What you're well, doing my now? biggest, uh, and thanks for the phone call, Stephen. My uh, biggest challenge was giving getting somebody to give me a chance. But if you're going to do this, volunteer for everything. Don't wait to be paid. Internship, anything, anything. Run cable. Uh, empty garbage can get into a place where once you're in, then you meet people, then you can impress people, but it's a real, 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 real high mountain to climb. There's so many people who want to do this. And uh, I always say it's the most competitive job field in America because we always think we could do it. And then there are those who are trying to do it as well, but volunteer. That's the biggest, biggest piece of advice is make sure you're not doing it for the money. Because if you are, you're not going to be successful. Yes, Mark. People should blame you because the popularity of SportsCenter in the 90s, mm. everybody's like, oh, I want to be a sportscaster now. I got a catchphrase. I can do it. That was the mentality. I remember people would just come up to me and they go, hey, got a catchphrase. And I go, okay. And then they tell me their catchphrase. And you go, do you think I can do SportsCenter? I go, mm, yeah, you probably need a little bit more than just a catchphrase. Maybe. <laughs> Final hour, Tom Berducci on Shohei Otani's contract. Fritzy's been working on his Tommy DeVito. This sounds like Andrew Dice Clay is what you're doing. Three in a row already. We're going for four. We can't be stopped. All righty. I don't know if Tommy DeVito sounds like that, but you think he sounds like that. I think. Like I hope he sounds like yeah. that. He doesn't, actually. He sounds more like this. <laughs> this is a thoughtful young man. Yeah. 
My mom's chicken cutlet. Why? So I'm living at home. Why? The pride of Cedar Grove, New Jersey. Let's go. Yeah. Shout out Essex County. How far away is that from where you grew up? 30 minutes, maybe. 30, okay. well, 30 miles. Yeah, it's about 10 minutes from the Seton Hall campus. You know, a big game for him last night, but then yeah. there is the bigger game. That'll be in Las Vegas, where everyone is welcome to join the celebration, but on Las Vegas's terms. And in Vegas, well, it's the audacity of Vegas, where conventional is challenged, the unexpected embraced. When it comes to celebrating major sporting events, no other city compares to Vegas. It's a city where spectacle and celebration are woven into the fabric of the community. It's not just celebrating, it's celebrating with an edge. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.